Collingswood and smashed my DVD that you sent us. <laughs> hey, I can always send you another. Oh, no, no, I'll take it. I'm kind of <laughs> bummed I opened it because you sent me one that had been untampered with and it, it had the uh, sticker that Charlie talked about in the intro. Oh, uh, cool. Watch in the dark. Mm-hmm. So I took it yes. off and I put it on the inside because I'm a hoarder and uh, I like cool. to look at that kind of stuff. Cool. And it it kind of is like peeling up. I'm a little bummed. I'm I'm tempted to tape it back down. Oh, bummer. yeah. You know what that was? Uh... Yeah, I got it right here. Oh, cool. Jeez. Oh, yeah, that's I remember printing thing. those out. <laughs> oh, did you make this one? I did. Oh, I fucking love that. <laughs> It, that, you know, I kind of had a feeling, but dude, it looks incredible. Like, so did you make all the stickers for it too? Um, not all of them. Oh, which one didn't you make? Um, I didn't make the one that said watch in the dark. Okay. That's that one. See yeah. Feeling up. Cool. Yeah. I got the little note too. It looks like a uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. Exactly. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it difficult to, to peel because you got all those edges. It does. So good job, Russell. Well, thank you. I would have fucked that up. <laughs> hey, I'm meticulous, dude. That's why we have an industrial-sized bottle of Goo Gone down there. Oh, you need, you need yeah. the Goo Gone. We can't have any sticky shit on it either. No. Um, dude, Mike, thanks for hanging out with us again. No, I just wanted to thank you guys again for inviting the film to the festival and to finally meet you all. It was such a great time and such a great experience. So just, again, wanted to thank you guys very, very much. Yeah, man, it was our pleasure. It was a long time coming, and I'm glad it all worked out. And uh, we had a great screening. Yeah, honestly, the screening of Collingswood kind of became a like hunt for the grail over here. Because I think from the original Uff, you were on our radar and like I like I was guilting you at the fest. Um, we had a good friend, Charlie, who uh, on here, we call him the Birdman, And he's an incredibly funny dude, a little introverted. And the fact that he came out to do your intro is like that was one of my happiest moments there, because I'm like, I, I really think he's coming out of his comfort zone. But dude, years ago. When you know, he we first met him, we told him how much we love found footage. And he was like, oh, have you seen Collingswood? Wow. And I'm like, God damn it. I fucking hate it because I feel like we should be experts on this. But every time we talk to another enthusiast, they always have some shit we've never seen, which, oh. you know, it kind of checks the ego. But then we get to watch a cool movie like Collingswood. And, you know, we got in contact with you right away and you sent me a DVD and it's like, cool, we want to have you on the podcast. And I believe that was five years ago. <laughs> yeah. And then we couldn't get a hold of you. And we're like, dude, Mike's dodging us, dude. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Jeez. Five years. I can't, it's hard to believe that the, you know, goes by that fast, but yeah, you know what, Charlie, very cool. I mean, everybody was, was super cool. I, and like, just what you're telling me now about him just makes me appreciate him even more because just how he introduced the film, I, I just met the guy. I, it was really such an honor. It was just, it was great. Shut up, Mike. We know you had a horrible time. <laughs> so wait, so where is Charlie? Uh, I, I think they arrested him after. <laughs> he was so, he's banned from the show. <laughs> he was so elated with his intro and hanging out with you that he got wasted across the street at Hockey Haven. And oh, I believe shit. he's still in prison. Oh, damn. Yeah, he went in there. He's like, I'm a bird. I'm a bird. Oh, <laughs> oh man. all right where you want to start russ i don't know i just want to hang out with mike i kept telling him that the minute i saw him come in i'm like oh this motherfucker looks like a dude i'd hang out okay you want to kick it off Uh, i can kick it off kick it off we're going in a different direction okay mike yes i want to talk about (laughs) a public service announcement film you did in 1996 okay called beat the bash yes where it's it's a psa about gay bashing yes it is i want to know how this started i am we have a minor obsession with public service announcements oh yeah okay um we we love them and there it's a special thing you know i think we started it 
Um, we like we like training videos. We like PSAs. It's just a uh, Russell. What is that PSA about gun violence that we saw? That's uh, great. Oh, I don't know the I police brutality or something. What the recent one on gun violence? No, no this was like in the that was mid nineties. I oh, can't. Really? Okay, we talked about it when we talked to. Um, I remember watching Bayou and uh, I remember watching the Stuart Gordon PSA, but that one was different. That's a different. Yeah, one. I don't remember the gun one. And then, of course, you know, Shutter releases uh, the George Romero PSA. Yeah. Um. What is the name of that about getting older? That's great. Carnival of something. Something. Yeah. But yeah. So, so Mike, how, how did, how did this project happen? I, um, with all my in projects, I'm inspired by either a real life event or, you know, or, or something of vibe that I want to go with or a message that, that I want to tell. And at that time, gay bashing was on the rise and certainly in, Los Angeles. So um, a DP that I work with on, on some of my short films, Brad Rushing, I mean, he's incredible, super talented, talented. He's um, doing a lot of shows, uh, shooting a lot of shows right now, actually one for Netflix. However, he was like, dude, let's shoot it in 35 millimeter. I've never shot anything. <laughs> so, so we did Panavision donated a camera package. So we shot the whole thing in 35. We got Wilson Cruz um, and Meredith Scott Lynn to appear in it. So the whole, the whole message really was, was um, just to present um, gay bashing on the rise and hopefully curtail it. So um, I think it, it like aired on MTV and like some other cable outlets, but um, that was that was a great project. I mean, we, of course, you know, we just shot it in a day, um, put it together, and then got it out there. Have you seen it? Did you? No, no. I just discovered this uh, about thirty minutes ago. So if I could track it down, a hundred percent, I, I want to look at this. I, you know what? It might be on my just my website, mikecastanza.com. I think I have it in the videos there, or it's it's. I'm sure it's on YouTube. <clears throat> Excuse me. Perfect. But, if we can track it down. We'll 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 uh, we'll put it up somewhere. Cool. Also, the it might just yeah, part. just it might just be on like my portfolio site too. You can you can check it out there. But it looks good. I mean, because it's thirty five millimeter. So. so have you have you done prior PSAs to this? Or was this the first and only? That was the first one, and then I tried, <laughs> I tried to do one on plastic pollution, and that unfortunately didn't go and go anywhere, but I was talking to like the Leonardo DiCaprio foundation and um, trying to get them um, behind it. So what, what draws you to that format of the PSA opposed to uh, a narrative about the subject? Exactly. Just like a quick message, you know, just, uh, you know, I had just ADD with me too. So I'm like, you know, let's just get something out quick, you know, just like, (laughs) And plus, Just you like know, a commercial. I, I think it's um, you can have fun in there. I think I think you definitely run into the uh, danger of being heavy-handed, you know. But sometimes, isn't that the point? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, too, because again, you only have like what do you have like ten seconds, thirty seconds, a minute. So you really, you know, sometimes you have to be heavy-handed. Yeah. Rush your thoughts. Uh, you're pretty heavy-handed yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very heavy-handed. It's He's, a burden. Uh, in fact, my knuckles drag on the ground as I walk. <laughs> no, Mike, I'm super curious about you as a person. Now, you look like a chill motherfucker to hang out with. And when you talk about making a documentary about uh, shutting down the plastic industry, you strike me as a liquid death dude. Are you a fan? <laughs> Who's not? Of course. I feel like you're the perfect guy to be rocking that merch too. Like you're their demographic. I, you know, yes, I, but because again, just so many, you know, as a filmmaker, it's so many things affect me personally also. So if it's just me getting out, I guess my feeling on it, on, on a subject also. So it's like having Tourette's almost. It's like, 
I, this, this is my only way to express myself on this. This is, this is how I'm going to do it. This is the platform I'm, I'm going to use. Now, Mike, you know, we had a uh, Will Carsola on the podcast. We're very in with liquid death. So <laughs> I think we got to get you in there and you got to start oh, making movies you. for them too. Thank you. Cool. Cool. Also, Mike, everybody hates us but you, so I'm completely <laughs> lying. <laughs> now, dude, Mike, you strike me as kind of an introvert yourself, yet you're making all these like social docs, or you have like, I don't know, what is this drive to make films? Is that how? What is this introvert extrovert thing you're on today? I don't you're know, already, just you're about it. Yeah, hey, you're an introvert. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, am I right there? Or am I completely missing it? I mean, I I don't know. I, I guess I just. I guess sometimes I guess I am. I guess it really just depends on the crowd I'm with or, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I, I don't have to really think about it. I just like, it's like, just be yourself, you know, I just, whatever. So. Yeah, man, stop putting labels no, no, on everybody, no. Russ. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Mike knows I'm very aggressive. In fact, at the uh, Film Fest, I, I got titled the Reverse Bouncer because I was pressuring <laughs> reverse bouncer. to come back in. And, you know, the vibe I got from Mike was when you walked in, you're kind of like, "Is am I about to be pranked? You're like, are these people <laughs> fucking serious that they like? I don't because, dude, we are pretty rabid fans of your film and just for context again we're talking to mike costanza no relation to seinfeld and the the maker of probably the first screen life film ever you know yeah uh, for a minute there i thought ghost writer might have counted but i i feel like you'd get into a technical debate there yeah yeah and mike i mean you kind of created a subgenre that is honestly like finding its heyday now Yes. And dude, and you know, one of my favorite moments of this was we screened your film on Saturday and it, dude, it was so cool watching Collingswood on a big screen. And thank you. Yeah, it is a good experience, especially with an audience and just the reaction and stuff. It's, it's always good to see it with an we, audience. You know what? Let's stop there. So when, when your film came out, we're looking at 2002. Yes. Now, did you do a festival run or like what was what was the release like? Yeah, you know it it did. I let's see, it played at, but this was years later, actually in two thousand and six. It was at Fright Fest in London, um, Harthon. I think that was in Manchester, and actually there was a Fearless Tales Film Festival that was in San Francisco too. But that was closer to because Anchor Bay did a small release, but in two thousand and two, I just did a like self distribution. So it was, the film still was really underground and it was just kind of word of mouth. Oh, anchor Bay picked it up. Yes. Damn. But it was anchor Bay UK. Oh. So it was the, the guy, Mo Claridge. Um, Cause he did like the original Halloween. It was just, it was really cool, but it was just um, anchor Bay UK. Man, what the hell? What was that release like? Um, that that was fun. I mean, it was a small release, but it got some good, you know, feedback. But again, at that time, there was no Zoom, there was no, you know, FaceTime. So it was still like this concept isn't really in our, you know, in our mainstream. Yeah, you know what? I instantly jumped on eBay and I cannot find it. The, now, I, I know we mostly do a horror podcast, or at least we pretend we do. And if you're in the early 2000s, you know, Anchor Bay was like the distributor. Like yes. they're the ones that kind of made Blu-rays and DVDs like collectible. Yeah. Yes. And the idea of Collingswood coming out that early, I instantly was like, I don't care if I'm on a podcast. I want to go find it. Although it's in the UK, man, you know. So uh, again, shout out to Ilan Sheedy. He's the one that did all our art for of five. He lives in Germany currently. And they put out digibooks left and right, multiple oh, covers. Cool. Nice. And it's like the market out there is just crazy. I, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just Germany is a crazy about... place. <laughs> it is a crazy place. All right. So you did a short film. It sounds like you only did in the UK. Did it ever play out here in America? Uh, you know, Dread Central did a um, screening of it online um steve barton was one of the first people to see the film i just like on a whim i sent it to some of the horror websites yeah. just to you know just to see the type of reaction it would get and he loved it so he kind of took it 
under his wing and um, just did a, a great review for it. And then um, did a, uh, a streaming of it on their website. But again, too, this was very early in the time of just streaming and online and just everything was just just starting do you have a ballpark of like what year was that in 2006 also um that was shoot i want to say that was later it could have been like 2009 oh, damn. Or something. yeah that's still not a time where i would rush to my computer to watch a movie exactly yeah, exactly yeah. dude you're a victim of being like too ahead of the time like i can't imagine like all right watching collingswood now is weird because it's like we're looking into a different reality that never was we're like we're back in the 90s but the internet is fucking fantastic there's no dropping or anything you have to run a phone cord through your house but everything's cool the cameras look great and you know in 2002 you'd be like what am i looking at Yes. Like, I almost feel like it'd be like, this is, you could never do this. <laughs> what is this dystopian, not so near future? Dude, in 2002, I remember fighting with my dad over a phone line because he would be downloading the theme to the Adams family for an hour. <laughs> and I would be like, dude, can I look, can I go on AOL now? <laughs> yeah, but it was like, it was like the Nokia ring of like the Adams family. Oh. It wasn't like a full. Oh no, it was the full. That's why it took oh. over a fucking hour. And we had oh. we had a we had our own phone line. We had two phone lines too. Whoa. We're oh, very God. privileged. And, well, that's uh, like in the film, you'll notice that John, you know, Rebecca, when she goes out and she shoots all those video emails, and then, you know, of course she has to upload them and then send them to, you know, John's like, oh, they took forever to download. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, because at the time. Dude, you know what's funny? I, I recently started working with a uh, young uh, Gen Z and talking about early internet and there's just like no palette for it. I It kind of freaks me out. Now, what's the age range on a, on a Gen Z? Well, uh, the one I'm talking about, uh, she is 22, I believe. Oh, 22, 23. Sweet, sweet child. Yeah. Not a wrinkle in their brain. I, um, <laughs> it's, it's weird to me because, you know, watching Collingswood, I'm like, you know, there's, there's a generation that won't understand anything here. Like yeah. just the the nuance, like you know what I'm confused about. So in the movie, we have a, a character driving around filming. Now, what, what what was she shooting that on? Her laptop. I thought so. so. She's actually driving, you know, holding supposedly like holding her fucking laptop out the window with the little camera attached to it. Like here's my uh, here's my geeky webcam gizmo. Before cameras are in, you know, built in to a laptop, I'm just going to fucking attach it to the top and then just <laughs> pull it out the window and film everybody. Now, I mean, I feel like I was I wasn't completely computer illiterate back in the day. I was the guy that people would come to in high school to burn them a CD, and I even had a cool little label maker too. I could have used. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, those label makers were great. Dude, they were they were terrible, but they were also like next level. They were like perfect. But here's the thing: I never had a webcam. I had no desire to show somebody else what they were looking at. So in when I was watching Collingswood again, I'm like, is she filming this with the laptop? My first thought was like, didn't those batteries die in like five minutes? Those heavy bricks that would like heat up your lap and like melt your bones. And I, I just kept getting caught up in it, and I realized like. It's well, like, dude, I'm looking into another reality. And what Charlie brought up in the Q&A was something I didn't even realize, was your movie works so perfectly. I mean, we're in the age of like host, control, alt, trick, treat. There's many Zoom-made movies. And your movie fits in perfectly. Like, it doesn't feel the, you would never guess the way that you filmed the conversations. Can, can you talk a little bit about like priming your actors and cutting that together? Um, we, you know, at the, at the very beginning, they're, they're like, wait a minute, this is a film, right? Why am I going to be sitting in a chair the whole time? Films are supposed to move. So I, I, tried, I tried to say this, well, this is a new concept guys. And it's like I, the first I had no idea if this, if it was going to work too, but I had to like convince them, of course, this concept is going to work. 
because it, the whole concept of it being shot on separate days and then them just talking to a high eight camera that was supposed to be a webcam. They're like, what if, if I'm looking at Rebecca, what if it looks like I'm looking at the ceiling? Like they were like, how are you going to match my eye lines up? And that was a concern for me, but I never let them knew my concerns. You know, my job was to just keep them as focused as possible on this new concept. So we, I, you know, I like to rehearse. Some actors hate rehearsing, but they, everybody in the film liked to rehearse, which I thought was great because then it just makes filming much easier. Everything, you know, because shit always happens on the set. And just if you're prepared, it's then you're just kind of ahead of the game. So, no. No, Mike, I got to cut you off there because, you know, we watch a lot of found footage and when you're trying to blend uh, like reality with fiction and people script it out, that can be the death blow. And you can feel it sometimes when people feel like they're reading lines and they're supposed to be like in an organic setting or like if um, like like it's almost like when you're doing the man on the street stuff in Jackass, if you're out there reading lines, but like acting to a camera. Dude, sometimes it feels so inauthentic, yet your film doesn't feel that way. And we showed you in the middle of like a pretty, like, I don't want to say avant-garde, but kind of like an experimental format uh, block of features. And dude, it held up. And I'm like, the vision you must have had for that, like even the eyeline thing that I mean, dude, we're, we're talking on video chat right now. I haven't been looking at the camera at all. Also, I have um, everything off onto an external monitor, so I'm normally looking over there. But the idea that the eyeline might be a problem and playing with that, I mean, I, I wish more found footage people would put that kind of thought into the movies they're making today. Yeah. Um, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I'm a I, I wish they would, too. But um, I got to say, both of you guys, the posters behind you are rad. Love it. We're we're in the same room. So fucking cool. Too. Yeah, uh we have um Takashi Mike. We we got to meet him one time. Oh nice. And me and Clark yeah. don't like being uh photographed, but we're like, we have to do this, right? Yeah. So we have we, a, we had a quick discussion of like I think this is the time where we pull the trigger. Yeah, a terrible photo. At least my part of it. That's good. That's a good picture. I contributed uh nothing but grossness. Also, his translator <laughs> is one of the coolest guys of all time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that really? guy's awesome. He looks like Lex Luthor. Oh, um, excellent translator. Terrible photographer. Oh yeah, but uh, <laughs> he, they were they were very nice, and that was super cool. Uh, but Mike, I want to talk about yes. inspiration. So again, you know, we've kind of touched on it. If you know that the Collingswood story is, um, you know, sort of this landmark film in the world of screen life because. Frankly, there, there, it was not a thing when the Collingswood came, when the Collingswood story came out. So, what was your sort of inspiration in doing a movie this way? I mean, you know, did you have any sort of reference points, um, any sort of film inspiration, life inspiration? Why, why this particular way of filming this story? I'm definitely inspired by the Blair Witch Project and what the directors did with so little. Um, I absolutely love that film. Um, sure. I still do to this day. Um, so that was a huge influence. Um, I still thank Ed Sanchez to this day because it's, you know, he, he really started the whole, um, the whole found footage genre from really taking off. I mean, Cannibal Holocaust and a few others before that too, but it really was the Blair Witch that, you know, was mainstream. Um, uh, you know, I, I think too, at that time, you know, the result, like the webcams coming out and I just thought it was such a joke because if you compare it today to like what Instagram has become, you know, just, it's so fucking plastic and it's just like, Oh, look at me, look at me. Uh, so in a way, I guess I was, um, wanted to make a social comment on that and where our communication was heading. So that was just like the kind of in the back of my mind. And then of course, cause I'm a, a horror fan too. So I wanted to um, place that in a horror setting. So, and then, you know, it's really weird too. The shaker, that shaker was a gift from my mother 
like all of a sudden I opened this box right before Halloween and it scared the, the fucking, like it just, it was like, why would she send me something like this? It's fucking <laughs> demonic. And, but it, I was like, I got to put this. So everything kind of came together, the, the shaker, Blair Witch Project, the webcams. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to put this all together. Now the shaker you're talking about is a very important item in your film, correct? Yes. Why yeah. did your mom send that to you? Um, she found it in a store in Maine and she knew that I like horror film. And when I was a little kid, she used to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> like when I was two, three, four or five, cause I guess she was bored. So that's you where know, my love of horror came from. Boredom. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what it is, but that's a common theme. Like a lot of the, the guys I know that love horror, it's because they're mom. <laughs> I mean, like my mom, uh, again, uh, I'm sorry, mom. You, I know you hate it when I bring this up, but she showed me it, the TV show. Uh, oh, sweet. Yes. When I was five. <laughs> God, and I remember just being right. like, I Love begged it. to watch it. And then I oh, fucking regretted so it instantly. Dude, oh, awesome. London. But here's the thing. Oh, yeah. yeah no. Yeah. yeah uh, no, that would be terrifying as a five-year-old. No, but here's the thing. Then uh, flash forward five years later, I'm still telling people it is the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I remember I, uh, my younger cousin, uh, shout out to Sean, he, uh, he watched it like when he was like, I think when he turned 10 and he came back and I was like, you watched it? Oh, my God. How were you? And he's like, eh, it's OK. And was, it, it shattered my life. But because uh, <laughs> I was like, what am I, a coward? And then, you know, you rewatch it. And it's like, oh, God. Times change. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. You know, when most people are like, you like horror, here's something creepy. They don't normally hit the nail on the head. And I feel like that shaker, you know, it does carry some weight in your film. Cool. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Like, I, I think so, too. I mean, I just it just kind of adds another element to it. You know, whether um, people like are affected by it or scared or laugh at it or whatever, you know, I just, I just felt like it had to have another element to it also. So yeah. Cute and creepy. They, <laughs> they mix and mingle and then it gets like really scary. Yes. The name of my testicles. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Mike, looking at your IMDb, uh, I had to ask you about eerie tube. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what's going was, on there? That was awesome. And uh, I, Geez, because I, I, that started around 2008, 2009, and that had, oh my God, if you look at the YouTube channel, that has all the original stuff that was on it, but it basically was a horror channel. So it had um, like award-winning shorts from around the world. It had like some original content and um, uh, all geared towards um, sci-fi horror comic books. Oh, rad. Yeah, I just opened it up. That's that music playing. Yeah, dang. So you were in the YouTube game early. Yeah. Yeah, you had calling. I mean, it wasn't my, I, I just kind of just gave it a, so the, at, at some point I do want to do a resurgence of that, of that site. Because um, right now I think there's just like a, a teaser on it, but it was, you should check it out sometime, just the YouTube channel of it. Because I, had like news reporting reviews. I I like to obviously I like, I like to dabble in many different things, as you can see. Yeah, I'm picking up on that. So you 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 seem to be this uh, multimedia oracle of some sort. So um, <laughs> well, thank I, you. I, so, oh, I so like we're, we're, we want to like get to that. the nitty gritty of things. So I I want to know your opinion on non fungible tokens, please. Uh, you, you know what? I have a friend that's starting a company with that. I, you know, at first I'm like, hey, interesting. I, I don't really know yet. I guess some of them that I've seen, I think are really cool. I think they can work um, in terms of like an, an art piece to have, depending on like what it, what it is. Um, but I still don't grasp like how the whole like metaverse, like the whole like money transfer no one does. I, they say they I, do. No one does. Yeah, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. I just. But do, do you think? Do you think it's got some legs? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. 
I know. Right there with you. I think it's it's a marketing thing. It's a branding thing. Exactly. That's how it's going to kick off. Exactly. Brand, everything is branding. Because and, they're starting to, I mean, what you can do with like independent film or, or any films or any TV shows too, you can, you, you, they're starting to sell portions of them. Like, so you get a, you know, token, you can watch part of the film, but then you'll get um, some behind the scenes with it. Or it's just like a, a Blu-ray extras, you know, whatever. Uh, you, you'll just get different collectibles with it. So, yeah, so again, it's the type of thing where it's such a new, you know, it really can go anywhere. And, the, you know, the possibilities that you can do with it. So, all right. So, you don't have any hot tips? There's nobody we should be looking to buy right now. No yacht <laughs> that, apes or anything? Yeah, that I don't know. Cause again, <laughs> it's just, no, I, I try to, cause I, you know, with software and different, I try to like learn, you know, and I usually pick up things pretty quickly, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't grasp this one. I keep trying. All right. Well now with the Collingswood, I have to ask, was that shown on video? Yes. That was a height camera, like a little Sony. Um, God, it was like a consumer. It wasn't even like a prosumer. I think it was just like a, um, Sony Hi8. And actually, I recently looked for it on eBay and I found it. I was like, holy shit. Oh, really? How much was it going for? <laughs> um, I, I don't remember. I mean, not like, you know, not like a crazy amount, but I was like, that's what I shot it on. That's right. Now, you uh, recently teamed up with Cauldron uh, Video ah, yes. to make a you beautiful. God, yeah. this release is so fucking cool. Thank you. you, got- you know, they were awesome. They, I mean, this, of course, like in the middle of lockdown, I get this email. And they're like, hey, um, you know, do you still own the rights to Collingswood? We want to put out a Blu-ray. And I was just completely stoked. So they um, they really helped in this resurgence of the film also. And what I did was I retransferred all the original footage because the first, you know, the first DVD that came out, I didn't really have the color, you know, ability to do color correction. Da Vinci Resolve is just this awesome um, software. So it looks, it just, you know, this new version for them just looks great. And then um, working on a little bit different version for Shutter, And um, it's, it's on Amazon Prime too. Um, so that version, uh, you know, again, is like more, more the Blu-ray version. But the Blu-ray has all these fun extras. And it was just, Cauldron, just working with Cauldron has been great. They're awesome. Good. I'm glad they're picking up movies. They clearly are like-minded people. We should try and talk to somebody. On you that. should. You know what? I'll, yeah. I'll put you in touch with them because you should. And they have a great library. It's Diabolic um, DVD also. They just they have an awesome library. Wait, it, they're the, the same they're, they're Diabolic DVD? Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, shit. I yep. had no idea. Now, I didn't know mind. either. At first, I didn't know. I didn't know either. What the fuck? Okay, just for people who don't give a shit about like physical media like that, Diabolic DVD, they usually have all the cool shit that gets like sold out or like it moves on. Like they're they're so in that you might end up paying a little bit of a collector's rate on there. Mm -hmm. But man, that's where I got my beautiful possession, like a like felt box set downstairs that you could like murder somebody with. They're fantastic. Which I mean, now I'm not surprised that this came out so beautifully. I had thought some like some weirdos had like crawled out of a basement and were like, we just got to put these movies out because they also put out another film that we uh, love. um, 1974. Yeah, Um, I like that, too. I I told him I was like, this is my new favorite fan footage film. It's I really loved I loved it. we showed it twice, Mike. So like with us, you would have like been in the know way before. (laughs) <laughs> cool. No, that's great. No, and you know what? I I have to complain a little bit. You you got to meet our um our studio influencer, also a rabid Blu-ray collector, uh, Terrell, who he came over my house and we were we were talking about Uff, and he was talking about all the the DVDs and Blu-rays he wanted to bring to get signed by the directors that were going to be out, and he was showing his boyfriend uh the Collingswood story. But right. he was using my Blu-ray to show him. <laughs> cool. And here's the thing. He gets fucking excited. And when he's touching shit, 
like this sold out Blu-ray, I, my heart like slows down my heart rate because I have to calm down. <laughs> and he was waving it around the room. And Mike, guess what happened? Oh, no. What? No, it no, no. flew out of his fucking hand You're kidding. across the room and it hit the ground. Now, here's the thing. One, you got to check and make sure the disc isn't floating around because if he broke one of those teeth in there, it was going to freak out. <laughs> Two, <laughs> if it hit a corner, it was going to accordion that corner and I, would, I was going <sighs> to freak out. Shit. He picked it up. Again, I still had it in the cellophane. Mm. Completely fine. You know what? I opened it today because I'm like, you know, oh, fuck, I got to open this thing and see what's going on so I could talk to Mike about it. Talking to you now, I see the damage he did. So oh, I'm shit. coming for you, Terrell. I know yeah, you're listening. Terrell, to yeah. oh, oh, boy. Also, <laughs> he got his copy signed by you at the vest. I want it now. That was so, you know what? That was so awesome when he came up to me and meeting him. It was so great. Now, as, as a celebrity, Mike, we have to ask you, are you more of a fan of people trying to get a photo with you or signing the Blu-ray? Um, I'm not a celebrity, number one. <laughs> number two, I just... I'm, I don't mind either, really. I guess just just I don't know, just meeting people was just kind of cool. And what just, about providing and like, a blood sample? Or even if they hated the film. Wait, what? Sorry, I didn't hear that. What about providing a blood sample? Sure, why not? Brave man. <laughs> yeah. I pulled one of his hairs out during I'm his movie. Really, he didn't yeah, care. I'm just kind of easygoing. What, you strike me as a O-negative guy, Mike. <laughs> Nothing <What is> hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's about how it normally goes. Now, Mike, I what? had to ask you. Oh, no, um, wait, what is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> your blood type. What's your blood I know. Type? Just kidding. Do you know your blood type? I don't know mine. Um, I don't. I don't think I do. I think I think that's something we should know. I think I'm O positive. You're not o positive. positive. Okay. No, I think it's yeah. the one where I could take anybody's blood, but only the other type of me could use my blood. I'm positive that you are negative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Now my mom's going to email and be like, uh, your blood type, you should know this. Um, I know. I know. I feel like my parents should have told me that when I was a child. Instead, they told me everything I was allergic to. <laughs> so one of the first things I can oh, learn. What are you allergic was, to? What are you allergic to? Uh, Cefcil, penicillin, and C-Clor. Okay. Well, that's very important to know if you're, you know, allergic to. Also allergic to. <laughs> you don't want to mix those. <laughs> yeah mike i have to ask you about this now for me personally as a programmer of this film fest one it was great having you there but two i mean like, and for Thank everybody you. listening we do this film fest to fucking meet you like just to meet the filmmakers to kind of so we can watch the movie on the big screen it's all selfish that's why we do it and i love that it's when just... you ca you came back for day two and I was so excited that you got to watch one of uh what I consider one of the the best new rising found footage filmmakers. Uh, Isaac Rodriguez did a film called Deadware. Yes, I enjoyed now, that very much, dude. Now I don't know because I haven't. Isaac's in the middle of moving. Moving. He was supposed to come out with their buddy Thomas Burke, who does the TBR in the show with me. Mm. But uh, something happened, and now he he relocated. I think he's in Houston now. But I was trying to hit him up. I wanted to video chat him with you. But here's the thing. I don't know if he's ever seen Collingswood, mm. but after watching Deadware, it's like he had to because he's kind of he's also doing a retro live stream thing. And right. I'm curious, like, how did you feel watching that? Um, it, you know what? It's when filmmakers. Like it, you're inspired by just like, oops, <laughs> just like how I was inspired by Blair Witch. So I, it doesn't bother me if, the, if that's what you mean. It's, I, I, I think it's cool. I think it's pretty cool. No, I, I get to hang out with you. But wait, if it's like a studio or a producer or something, stealing it, running with it and making a shitload of money and, you know, keeping you out of the project or whatever, then that's totally different. <laughs> Scumbag. Yes. No, Mike, thank you. I feel like I got to know you enough that there's no way I thought you would be mad about it. But just yeah. – no. It's kind of like it's it's actually it's not similar um, as far as the story to Collingswood at all. And we're kind of doing a different thing. But clearly there's this genre that you were the pioneer of and it's continued. Yes. And I'm just, That's cool. just that people recognize that is cool. Because like, again, like at the end of the day, it's like even when I started out to be a filmmaker, it's like the goal wasn't to be. Oh, let's be like super, you know, famous and rich, whatever. I just, it's just nice to be recognized, at some, you know, at some point. So, well, 
just you know, that people are saying yes it's like the first screen life film now it's like finally because i always believed in it you know the cast always believed in it so like now we're all like oh my god yes this is great well here's the thing you talked about loving the blair witch you're you're the blair witch's screen life like <laughs> like in the conversations we have when somebody comes up and they're like dude i loved host you know the cool guy answer would be like well have you ever seen collingswood because that's the first one I saw some reviews that would say that. And I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> also, I, I, we got to talk a little bit about, so you're a visionary clearly, and you came up with this whole video thing. You figured out a way to film it and make it look realistic, even though there was nothing in, in reality to give you a reference. And there's one thing you did that really makes it feel like a different reality. And that's the whole, like calling up a psychic and talking to them through video chat. Yes. And, you know, uh, during lockdown, um, one of our programmers, Madeline, RIP, she- Oh, she's great. It was great to meet her too. No, so she did a thing where she's like, there's an artist in Japan and he does kind of like a in-camera live stream performance. And the the thing is you you pay some money and you enter kind of like a a Zoom call. Like Mm -hmm. there are other people there and they have their cameras on. Right. But it's kind of like he shows you this haunted painting. And uh, we move on from there. And I'm like, that's the only thing I've ever heard of that comes close to like your kind of gothic Miss Cleo in uh, Collingswood. <laughs> and I'm so curious, like, how did you come up with that idea? I, um, like, again, at that time, I think it was like all those and they would just crack me up those, you know, commercials for the 1-800-PSYCHIC and what is it uh, like? Dion Warwick would do that or the psychic friends network or something like oh, that. Yeah. So um, then my friend, Diane, who's um, an actress who played, you know, Vera Madeline, she did some like guest food and lodging. Um, and like most recently she's playing a um, nanny on the young and the restless, this soap opera. And I keep trying to like tell her, I'm like, Diane, play it darker. Like make her make her really dark, make her creepy. She's like, no, I can't play her like Vera. I'm like, you should, come on. But but anyway, she I I had her play the role because I knew that she could add some type of like um humor to it also. So before it before it just goes completely dark, because I mean basically she is, you know, she's trying to make a living, this webcam psychic. So well, it's interesting because your film, you have a uh, relationship at the heart of it, and it's kind of like a guy pursuing a girl, and we yes. enter into this, like, like everything we see in the movie is kind of what the other person wants us to see. Kind of like with Zoom, we can change out our background, or we could pick a room that we want to be in. Yes. And I, I remember taking a documentary class, and the first thing they ever said was like, you cannot make a neutral documentary. Everything is a choice. Everything is manipulation. If you put a dude in a lab coat, people are going to trust him. If you put him in a library, they're going to think he's smart. So we have this whole idea. There's this theme in your movie of like authenticity. And when you add a like corporate psychic to it, you, you give the audience a chance to really look at somebody who we don't trust at all. Yet her role in the plot becomes more and more important and our character's they kind of jump in and out of trusting her. Yeah. And I think you really articulated something that was going to, you know, plague the rest of humanity forever, which is like online authenticity. And what do we believe? And yes. Hey, I Googled some shit about your house. It's haunted. And it's like, yeah, but who wrote it? Right. I don't know. I I feel like you really nailed that. And I don't know. That that was just some of my paranoias too at at the beginning. No, totally. Of like the internet. And there's, of course, you know, you bring all that even sometimes subconsciously into your work also. So again, it's like, I just, you know, whether it is conscious or subconscious, I kind of just go with it. But definitely I was like, this is so creepy and cool and weird that you can just Google, you know, Google anything (laughs) and just have it right there. So, but, but first, but first and foremost, I do have to say too, I did want to have at least like a solid story between the two leads, like the Rebecca and John. And just, I think that that really helps carry, um, carry the film and get the audience involved. 
And that's one of the comments that someone mentioned in the Q&A. This woman said, she was like, wow, I got really um, into the characters um, and, um, you you know, in their story. So that's, I think, just so important. Yeah. And it's funny because, again, uh, using the Blair Witch as inspiration you kind of went the opposite direction with your characters. And I, I talk about this all the time, how one of the, the damage done by the Blair Witch was it kind of, it created a, a picture that people were trying to like imitate. And one thing everybody imitated was like the destruction of a documentary crew. And part of that ship going down is them hating each other and yelling at each other. And by the end of the film, you're just like, can y'all need to die now? <laughs> and we've had like, What's worked with our audience the best over the years we've done is a a crew that, you know, might be unraveling, but they're ultimately like they have a good relationship or they have a a blossoming relationship. Yet, you know, that by the context of the film, uh, they didn't make it out. And it kind of adds this like Hitchcockian suspense of like, fuck, dude, these two are just hitting it off. And yet we're in the third act and they're always doomed. They're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And. It, I don't know. It, it creates this kind of like melancholy, especially mm-hmm. when your film, dude, your film's like nostalgic for a 90s that never was. And every time I watch it, I'm like, dude, the desktop and everything, it, it looks familiar yet completely foreign. It, you know? it, to me, too. We're, we, you know, having not watched it and then when, you know, Cauldron looking at it again, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, now, you know, I, I got to talk about the pumpkin shit, homie. What was his name? Grant Edmonds. Now, whenever I think of Collingswood, I think of how you set up his room. Because we have a character who, you know, his, his computer camera has framed out his whole room completely. So if you, if you were going to visually tell me what somebody's thinking... That's the dude. You get to see all his posters. You get to see his bed on the floor. You get to see beer cans. You get to see jack-o'-lanterns that are carved. Mm-hmm. Like, this dude doesn't have to say anything, and I know exactly <laughs> who he is. And you kind of use that to your advantage in a beautiful way. Yeah, that, that was fun. That was actually um, my garage and <laughs> just made that into – because, yeah, he's just living out of his parents' garage. So that was that was my favorite set, actually. That was – that was a lot of fun. Dude, sleeping with jack-o'-lanterns on your bed? There's something about that that is like viscerally, I don't know, both charming and like utterly like my life is going the wrong direction. <laughs> don't tell me you've never slept with a jack-o'-lantern no. on your bed. Pumpkin? Now, I love carving a pumpkin, but the guts, oh, yeah. they do kind of like gross me out. Yeah, they, they, they can be. They'll be kind of gross. <laughs> Mike, have you slept with a jack-o'-lantern? Um, of course I have. <laughs> All right. I guess I'm the weird one. I, here. Look, I, I see my pumpkins. They last till July. Yeah. Also, Russell, if you're going to love something, you got to love all of it. Okay. <laughs> so don't come with this a la carte sense of love. We're like, I love jack o but I don't like guts, man. They're gross. In my bed. I don't know. No. Also, Mike, come on, come all. I have to be honest. Uh, out in front of our house right now is a pumpkin. Oh, right on. Yeah, big pumpkin. It's a giant pumpkin. And here's the thing: I just can't it's... bring myself to get rid of it. No, I, I can't either. I mean, just again for just people that have known me my entire life, it's Halloween like year round for me. So it's just you know, just this, how it is. No, you'd love this fucking house. <laughs> God, I I hate this house at Holloway. I hate this house at Holloway. There's no, nonstop why? shenanigans because they got this awful Hellraiser knockoff, terrible. What what is that thing it's that you a, put in the it's kitchen? A Hellraiser thing? What? It's a dollar store like a uh, window <laughs> thing, but it's giant. It's like six and a half feet tall or something. Wow! And it's a Hellraiser. You got it. Yeah, it kind of looks like a um, somebody who is, has a budding career in art got commissioned to do something, and uh, it looks like Hellraiser. But if it was, it's like drunk. It's like not pinhead. It's know. more like nailhead. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that's funny. Oh, dude, it's it's fucking cool. 
Clark just doesn't have a soul, and he no, can't. You under- put it. You put it. Where does he put it, Clark? On the on the. <laughs> so, we uh, we have a sliding glass door in our right. kitchen, and every time I get a DoorDash person here, they scare, uh. <laughs> and they drop the food off at my car. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Well, we also have it's a- not welcoming, Mike. That's all. <laughs> We've also got a uh, staircase. Sorry. That uh, we have like a little like stairwell area, and there's a middle part that has kind of a landing. Right. If you put it there, the the lame door that they're coming through actually kind of does an uncanny valley thing where you're like, is that a is yeah, that a door? It's a portal of hell. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Mike, I have a little. That's so there's this little cardboard cutout. I think she's like two feet tall. She's this little disheveled looking ghoul girl, and she's munching oh. on a rat. Ooh, I, I put that right outside of Clark's door, and he tore oh, it off no. the fucking wall. Oh Isn't shit! That shit near my sanctuary. <laughs> I'm now not joking. That has scared people on Zoom and no, in our house really? multiple times. Wow, Clark! No, yeah, that's that would freak me out too. See, I have PTSD from living in this fucking <laughs> oh, hell. <no. laughs> now, Mike, are, where do you live currently? Are you in Jersey? Uh, no, uh, Los Angeles. Oh, you made the move. Yeah. I, there's something weird going on over in Jersey and uh, Baltimore. Because I feel like half of the people making found footage movies come out of there. And I was shocked. They do. To learn, which is, yeah. Or, the, or like the East Coast. They're so... Uh, yeah. it's I, East Coast people are better. <laughs> I think they're more creative. Honestly. I be, Also because I think... Where it's are you guys from? Thing. I'm from the South originally. I'm from Where? Mississippi. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> um, no it's just uh, the, the West Coast, y- you got life too easy over here. East Coast, Ooh. in the South, people are better. It's just a fact. You need to embrace that. <laughs> They're more creative. They work harder. They understand they can take constructive criticism. Okay. And they don't flip yes. out when it's not 72 degrees. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That is true. And when it rains, they don't fucking cause a 30-car p- pileup on the highway. When it rains out here, people lose their goddamn mind. Yeah, They don't know That's how to true. drive. The governor true. starts pardoning people for no reason. We don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm just saying, Californians are bitches. Mike, oh. your thoughts. <laughs> He's not going to touch that. <laughs> also, the East Coast, they make better Halloween movies. You really need like you know a different season than summer. Yeah, to get that that, that that definitely plays plays on it absolutely because just the fall, especially growing up, you know, during the fall and just being able to walk down, you know, even if it's a, a sketchy neighborhood or something, just with the leaves falling, it's just it's the, yes, all the best, definitely. Yeah. Now, Mike, uh, I'm guessing you have a uh, a passion in skateboarding. Am I correct yes. there? Yes. How do you feel about fingerboarding? <laughs> uh, whatever, man. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> well, you know, I've noticed you've shot a couple of skate videos. Now, I don't yes. know if you know this about me, but I fucking shred a tech deck. Oh, so, very you know, Maybe I'll give you an exclusive someday. <laughs> we can... You've yeah, retired. Yeah. You've yeah, retired, yeah. though. Are you yeah. coming out of retirement? No, you, you teased no. that. I, I don't have the chops anymore, dude. I lost it. Uh, yeah, because you basically got paid to do it at work. I know, right? And all all through high school, man, gave me something to do. Completely. I, you know, same with me in high school, but I, I just, I gave it up. And then re, God, I was at, um, I was in Venice and I was teaching some friends, their, their kids, their two boys, how to skimboard. And the Venice skateboard was behind us. And after like the lesson, they're like, let's go to the skate park. And I'm like, okay. And like, as soon as I got to the skateboard and just heard the grind, it just, I was like, whoa, I missed this. So, so I went back the next day and just, you know, started meeting some skaters, being friends and just started filming. So it brought back that whole, like, you know, with the punk rock, with the music and just something that I just missed so much. Sure. But yeah, you should on Vimeo. On my Vimeo, I have a lot of the skate videos on there, and then I did a VR um, one in VR, which was pretty cool. 
Uh, and actually, I, like there was an exhibit of my work in Palm Springs at a um, this place called Art Pop. So what I had was some of my prints, some of my videos, and VR, and that was that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. It was like a couple summers ago where it was like 110 degrees. Oh God. <laughs> Now, um, on your Vimeo, uh, were you talking about the Skate Life, a multimedia exhibit in 3D? Yes, yes, that one. Or, there's that one, and then there's some other. Well, that, that one's in VR, but then there's just some skate videos that are 2D. Okay, now it's in VR. And I'm going to be shooting some more soon. In I VR? Think, uh, no, uh, possibly, but just for now, just some 2D ones. Oh, now, how do you shoot anything in VR? Um, you have a camera. Um, I I partnered with Samsung. They had this uh, camera called the Samsung Round 360 that has um, 16 lenses on it. Oh, God. And um, the the real trick is the editing of VR because it's um, it was kind of a learning curve. But um, yeah, you need a camera like that. Just like the one um, which I really liked. The and I'm sorry, I forget the name from Mexico City. Putrefiction. Yes, yes, yes. That was. I think that was shot with the GoPro Fusion because in one of the because I was trying to th- figure out which camera it was, but I think in one of the shots um, I, I could I could see it and it, it looked like the Fusion, which I haven't shot anything with. Um, but I, I you know it's it is a pretty good camera. It was pretty good, pretty good. All right, Mike. But the Samsung thing was huge. It was, you know, it wasn't a small, like little GoPro thing. It was, it was pretty, it was much bigger. I have a million questions now, and I'm so glad that you watched Putrefiction because we had a thing where um, Putrefiction is a film out of Mexico. We got it as a late submission and uh, their like tagline was the first film the first feature film ever shot completely in a 360 camera. Mm. And I remember my, my first reaction to that was, Oh no. And I, I just thought, <laughs> yeah. cause I had oh, been on YouTube. No. Oh shit. I'd, I'd been on YouTube and every time they do like a 360, anything in film, yeah, it's kind of like, and they, they're putting a burden on the audience because you know, they want you to take your mouse and look around. Completely. I remember completely. Um, the conjuring, had yep. like a trailer that was 360 where it's kind of like you're on a uh oh, did it? a roller coaster thing yeah but you can look around and i'm like that's not fun it's like, not they and it's ugh, they really haven't figured the right way to master it um but i, I will say when if you're watching it in a headset then yeah. it's much more immersive when you're just sitting at your computer scrolling it's yeah. like you know, it's just even when, like, when I watched the, you know, the Skate Life one, it's like, what is this? You, you when when you have a headset, it's com- it's completely different. That's why even watching this film from Mexico City, the whole time when I was watching it, I was like, oh my god, I want to watch this in a headset. But yeah. how they presented it for the festival was was really great because you do have that. Um, you do have the, you are able to at least point when you're showing it as 2D exactly where you're supposed to look. Because again, yeah. if someone's just scrolling, they're going to miss something. Yeah. They're, they're not really going to know, you know, where to look. Exactly. And that's the problem. The reason I had that reaction was I've played a lot of horror games. And when, when you do that, a lot of the time you'll miss a jump scare. Because you have the freedom to look wherever exactly. the fuck you want. Yep, exactly. And, and like maybe somebody's going to walk by the doorway and they have an audio cue, but you never stop looking at the goddamn inventory screen or you're, you're digging around in a drawer and you just hear, Wah! and you're like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And that was my, my first reaction was like, oh, fuck, this isn't going to work. But they edited it down, like you said, into a 2D platform, used the really wide fisheye lens to make or it's not a fisheye. They use the 3D camera to kind of play with like distorting reality. Our lead characters do DMT in the beginning. Mm. And it turns into a kind of like visual narrative of uh, distorted reality. Also, there's like themes of claustrophobia. And I was blown away. But I had no idea how the fuck they edited it. So how do you do that, Mike? Do you just do you take like 3D footage? Would you as the editor kind of point the camera or like what we're looking at and then just be capturing that as you go. So like live editing. Yeah. You, you drop an effect uh, called there's VR projection, 
or VR rotate. And then what you're able to do is change the access, like the point of view. So if somebody's looking forward, um, you, you can actually turn the footage because you're working with 360. So you can turn the footage and then at least point it if the person is looking forward to what you want to look at. So it really, it is all in the editing. And that's what these filmmakers, you know, had, had to do with their film. Um, but they can, they could also stretch out the image because you'll notice in all those distorted shots, that's basically the whole film um, unflattened, what it looks like, like right out of the, if you want to call it just like right out of the gate, right out of the, um, you know, out of the video card, yeah. what it would look like. And then you just, you shape it into, um, you know, a, a, a straight on view. God, it seems like a lot of work. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. I kept thinking that the whole time. I'm like, it's like you've added a literal another dimension to your yes. film. Yeah. And now you've got to like manage that too. A warped dimension. <laughs> but, I, but I like what they, I thought they did a good job. I thought it was cool. And it's, again, it's something new and they, they, you know, they ran with it. I really like that. Oh, dude. Future fiction's fantastic. And now I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little hot to trot to see if uh, <laughs> you're going to play around in that medium. Hot to trot? Carrie <laughs> <laughs> Grant? <laughs> it's getting me in here. I am currently reading a book about noir westerns, and we're going oh, back to uh, post-World War II cinema. There's a movie oh. called Yellow Sky that uh, I really mm. want to, I think we should watch. Oh, yeah. that sounds interesting. Yeah. No, but Mike, we need you to make a 3D narrative now. We're looking for ghost. We're looking for nostalgia. We're looking for skateboards. Dude, you got to have <laughs> Hey, have you ever seen a VHS viral? Um, I have not. But no, but it's, is that the new one that's on Shutter? No, no this was the third one. VHS uh, viral is the one that killed the franchise for a while. Correct. Uh, okay. Because the wraparound uh, was horrendous. However, but there was a short in there called Bone Storm, which okay. is a callback to the simpsons video game and bone storm is about some skaters Uh, imagine like um larry clark's uh what's up rockers okay but but they're walking around with like cameras and uh they get into some found footage shenanigans i highly recommend you you seek that out oh cool cool dude it's fucking good Oh, it's, it's one of those things where you watch an anthology horror and everyone's like, I fucking hated this movie, except there was that one short that was fantastic. And that's that one. Cool. Because I'm actually, I started, I mean, years ago, not years ago. When was it? Like 2018. I'm really bad at math. <laughs> I'm there with you. And I was at an empty pool. I was like, ah. I just had the idea to do a found footage film. So I hopefully going to start shooting this summer. Dude, don't tease me with that shit. (laughs) I hope you're going to. (laughs) That's yeah. That's kind of the plan. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Well, what else you working on Mike? Um, let's see. Mostly writing. I just doing some new, um, TV pilots and scripts. So hoping to, Sell something. The eternal battle. I know. Yeah. <laughs> new thing off, you know, new thing off the ground. And with Shutter coming up, that should be interesting too. Yeah, please keep us updated on that because well, we're going to let everybody know to jump on Shutter. Yeah, that's awesome. Shutter, you know, um, shout out to them. They're not a sponsor or a partner or even respond to us in any way. But they get found footage and they have let us show films in the past. And I don't know. It's it's good to know that part of the horror community has really embraced in-world camera with open arms. And yes. Mike, uh, you got to know, man, you are a part of it. You're historically probably the uh, the creator of what I think might become one of the more popular genres in found footage, which is screen life. And um, Thank you. man, it was an honor to have you at the festival. It was it's, a bucket list item to it. watch your movie with you. And uh, to to get to hang out with you and talk to you on the podcast, man, has been fantastic. And uh, dude, thank you again for giving us the time. Thank you, Randy, and thank you, Clark. It was yeah, again, it was so much fun. Did you say, Randy? Hold on, being in San think- Francisco, the Balboa Theater. I mean, it was you guys had a great venue, and the other theaters you were at too. I mean, the Roxy, and it was great. 
Now, Mike, did you just say fucking Randy, dude? What's that? Uh, you're talking to oh. right now. Do not thank Randy, our ungrateful fucking engineer who isn't he doesn't even have his camera on. Look at that. I just hit record. That's all I do. <laughs> thank you, Randy. <laughs> no problem, but Mike. I love you, man, and I mean it. If you're ever out here in the Bay Area, let's fucking uh, let's hang out, dude. Definitely. I hope to be back soon, and I'll, I'll let you guys know. Good deal. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>